as business continuity practitioners, we're, you know, you're communicating to everyone across the organization from the end user to the CXO level. Welcome to the Prepared X Podcast, your complete source for crisis, emergency, business continuity and security preparedness interviews, news, and much more. Now, your host, he creates chaos for a living, Rob Burton. Good morning and welcome to episode 65 of the Prepared X Podcast. Um, it's been a while since we've done an interview uh, podcast, so I'm excited to get this one started. But before I do, I just want to announce that PreparedX, uh, for the fifth year now, is um, proud to announce that uh, we are sponsoring the International Crisis Management Conference in May of 2020. And so that's going to take place in Rhode Island again. So we're really excited uh, about that news. And uh, if you go to crisisconferences.com, that's crisisconferences.com, you'll find out more information about the fifth annual International Crisis Management Conference. So check that out. Okay, in today's podcast, I get uh, to interview uh, Cheyenne Marling, um, who is a global leader uh, with staffing and data uh, analytics in business continuity, resiliency, crisis, risk management, and cybersecurity. I thought this was going to be a really uh, interesting one when we started to set this up and started to talk about um, this podcast, and it really did turn out to be that way. It's a topic we've not touched on before at PreparedX, and it turned out to be um, a really good interview. So anyway, without uh, further ado, here is my interview uh, with Cheyenne. Well, good morning, Cheyenne. How are you doing today? Excellent. How are you doing, Rob? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for joining us. And uh, are you in California today? Yes, in California, Southern California. Oh, oh it's a, so tell me the weather is better than it is here in this uh, freezing <laughs> freezing tundra we call uh, New England. It is certainly better, but I can relate because I'm from Wisconsin, so oh. I... Uh, in the cold tundra myself. Okay, okay. Well, anyway, happy, happy, happy holidays, and uh, I'm pleased that um, all is well in SoCal. Um, just before we get started, for our audience, um, could you just give a little background on yourself um, and your career to date, please? Sure, of course. Well, um, I graduated from University of Wisconsin-Madison, and I point that out because I really started my recruiting career um, shortly before I graduated uh, from college and started placing individuals within all sectors, accounting, professors, IT, but just within Madison. And then when I moved out to Southern California shortly after getting my bachelor degree, I fell into business continuity recruitment. Mm. Um, it was back in 1998. And the, the company that I joined, MRI, they had a very large contract with Comdisco. And I thought I was going to be placing network consultants. And we started placing business continuity, disaster recovery, senior consultants, managing consultants. And I was just enthralled with everyone's stories and what they did as far as their responsibilities. And shortly thereafter, I started BC Management hmm. in March of 2000 to specifically only focus on recruiting within business continuity, resiliency, which wasn't a term back then. Sure. Um, so, yeah, in that profession. And um, started BC Management on my own. Um, and then in July 2019, um, we were acquired by Evolution, which 
makes a lot of sense for a, a lot of us just because we've been working so closely with Evolution since the foundation of that consulting company as well. And we're very closely aligned. It's been a fantastic fit so far, too. Great. That's good Good news. Yeah, I'd like to hear some more about that. Um, so um, this is a topic that's um, really got my attention uh, when we were, you know, we're always looking for fresh material here on the podcast. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about the same, similar subjects within the field of preparedness in general. But um, so this, this one uh, really intrigued me with regards to the staffing side and all those challenges around that. So could, we, could you just start off uh, for our listeners with an overview of the challenges that uh, businesses face when hiring, you know, I, you know, whether it's BC, crisis management, resiliency, risk, cyber, whatever it may be, um, those types of leaders, what are some of the challenges that businesses face? Oh, there's so many right now. I mean, the, the market, um, the employment market has changed so much just even the last two years. So I've been doing this now since 1998. I've been through several dips in the market, right? Right now, the unemployment is just at a historic low. Um, so the biggest challenge is the companies are really really competing for the same people. And professionals are just not looking at job boards. They're not actively looking. They're happy with their jobs. Many of them have changed jobs in, in the last five years, so they're not actively looking. Um, and, and aside from just the employment market, there's a lot – there's a significant um, issue with the terminology that we use in our profession. So you have business continuity, you have resiliency, you have emergency management, you have crisis management. And sometimes that terminology means so many different things with the executives uh, and within the organization and different organizations. Um, So I'm finding that um, a lot of companies with a mix of the, um, the terminology with a mix of not doing their due diligence to properly co- make sure that the position is at a, the correct comp band, mm-hmm. compensation band. And that coupled with the unemployment market, we're seeing jobs going open longer and longer. And not only that, there's more jobs that they're being posted. So not even is it just tight from an unemployment standpoint with the unemployment uh, rate, but there are more jobs being posted this last year than I've ever seen in my entire life. And I track the jobs. It's a part of my, sure. um, you know, reaching out to those companies and offering our assistance. And this year alone, we've averaged about 19.2 new jobs posted in the U.S. per week. Traditionally, it's usually between five, mm. eight new jobs per week. So 19.2. And then internationally, I try, try to track as many jobs as I can. Sure. 35.3. And these jobs are going open for, you know, 14% of the jobs I'm seeing go open for 150 days plus. Wow. So it's significant. Yes. And so companies, you know, making sure that the terminology is correct, making sure they properly um, have a comp band for the role and making sure that, um, you know, HR, unfortunately, they can't take it personally anymore, that, that they really need to be strategic with their sourcing and consider using third-party agencies, consider thinking outside the box when filling the position so it doesn't go open, you know, the role doesn't go open as long as, as we're seeing. Sure, yeah, that, that's one of my questions as well. I think you've covered some, some of those. Is, is there anything else to make it easier for them to find the right candidate um, as an employer? They really should do their research up front. So, again, looking at the, the, at the job um, description. We see a, a lot of issues when we sometimes get the job descriptions from our clients. So um, in many cases, you know, one of our recent clients, they had the job title be a senior business continuity manager, but the the position was really comped at more of a senior analyst role. Uh, okay. And they're really only looking at five years experience. 
So when we got that job, we advertised it as a senior analyst versus a senior manager. Um, and we got a better response. We got candidates that were more aligned with mm-hmm. the experience that they're looking for. Um, terminology is a big issue, too, because we see some companies where, um, you know, it's funny. It, it's harder to fill the entry-level jobs with less than five years' experience than the more senior leadership position. So the pool of candidates in the business continuity market tends to be more tenured than entry-level. Sure. So companies will quickly think that it's easy to fill a job with less than five years' experience, but quite frankly, it's a real challenge because most people do something else before they get into business continuity. So their compensation is already higher than what companies are willing to pay because they they – you know, people are not generally graduating or, or finishing their education and starting a business continuity career. They're usually doing something else. Right. Um, but looking back on the terminology, um, I had one client that because it was an entry-level position, they were open to individuals with coming from more public sector, emergency management, and so forth. Mm-hmm. But the terminology that they were using wasn't attracting those types of individuals. Right. So, again, the terminology is a big issue making sure that you're really conducting your research upfront on compensation because um, I had another client in Charlotte and the compensations in Charlotte have been skyrocketing because everyone is competing. There's some very big employers there. They're all competing for the same people. And because of that, the, the compensations have increased faster than the cost of living. Very interesting. So tapping into yeah. a recruiting store. Yeah. So yeah. Tapping into a recruiting source. It really understands the market trends, what's going on within the profession, the compensation, the terminology, um, to make sure that you're really doing your due diligence up front to attract the right person and not have to go in this circle where you're, you know, giving an offer and it's being declined over and over. Um, also, because the market is so tight right now, um, companies are finding themselves competing for the same person. So if your interview strategy schedule is too long, you may lose someone to another offer. So making sure that you really, you know, think about the interview schedule that you have in front of you, who's involved in the in the process, the decision-making process. Um, sometimes if you have too many people involved, you can't please everyone. So sure. making sure that you really define the interview schedule, who's involved, the steps in the process, so you don't you you don't find yourself at the last minute, you know, not really knowing who to hire right. at the same time too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great information. Uh, but from the perspective of the job seeker, though, um, you know, what can uh, they do uh, for themselves to make themselves more employable with it, specifically within this uh, industry outside of everything else that, you know, we'd expect someone that's looking for a job to do? So obviously qualifications and experience seem common areas, but um, is there anything specific um, that, um, you know, job seekers can do within this market? Great question. So, you know, I think as a professional, regardless of what um, profession you're in, career, what have you, always make sure that you're doing some due diligence and planning for your career. So, you know, you, especially in our profession, you spend so much time or we spend so much time planning the program, but putting that same effort and due diligence into your career, you know, perhaps once a year or twice a year, you know, do a SWOT on yourself, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, mm-hmm. to and really define where you want to be three years out or the next year, three years, five years. How does your SWAT, your strengths, your weaknesses, opportunities, threats tie into your career path? And what we're noticing right now is that um, it's not really, it's more than just education and certification and showing up to work and being a loyal, hardworking employee. Granted, 
education certification is very, very important in this industry. I have some companies that will not even accept resumes unless they have a bachelor degree or a certain certification. But it's much, much more than just that at this point. Those soft skills are so important, and it's not just within the business continuity profession. Um, you know, companies are finding that they're the STEM employees, the science, technology, engineering, math, the, the quote-unquote smart people aren't necessarily the best top performers. Right. And so soft skills within our industry are even more important because you have to be able to champion and inspire others on the program, why it's important. Have that emotional intelligence. Understand and possess insight. Understand how to communicate to your audience. As business continuity practitioners, we're, you know, you're communicating to everyone across the organization from the end user to the CXO level. Developing those trusted partnerships, again, is so important. Having a deep understanding of the business, the culture, because one program for one company is not necessarily going to work for another organization, even if it's in the same industry like financial banking. Sure. Yep. Being a creative, critical thinker. Um because business continuity is not just black and white. There's a lot of gray. Right. So being a creative, critical thinker and evolving with the industry. The, the industry has evolved so much in the last 20 years. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, we're having people come in from all different career paths and trajectories, from compliance, from facilities, from finance, from firefighting, from risk management, um, and really having that passion. So these are the types of soft skills that, you know, you can take the time to develop. Again, it's not just being a loyal employee and showing up and, and working hard, but developing these soft skills and really having a passion for what you do. Additionally, leadership skills are really missing in this industry, in this profession. And I say this all the time, but I, I can't begin to stress it enough. Um, you know, presenting, you know, being published serving on the industry-related board, mm -hmm. really being active in the business continuity world and giving back. Because if you are seen as being a, a, a thought leader or, um, you know, being active in the community, companies are going to expect you or anticipate that you'll be, a, you know, champion, a leader for their program, for their organization. And when I say leader, it doesn't mean that you need to have the SVP job title, quote-unquote SVP or head of, right? right? You can be a leader from within. You can be a leader from within and still champion and inspire others. So I, I want to make sure, and this is something that these soft skills and leadership skills, you can do at any point of your career. You don't need to wait until you have 10 plus years experience. And the other thing as a job seeker is just be very conscious and aware what your social media um, says about you. You know, is your social media up to date? Is it communicating the right message? Are you active? Sure. Um, it's really, really important to make sure that you take a look, close look at that and don't jump for the wrong reasons. Don't look for a job for the wrong reasons. Really think about what makes sense for you. And, and if you're happy in your current position, your current company, you know, seek the opportunity to do more within your current organization. Yeah, I, 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 I want to pick up on one point that you made there, um, all great information. I think, and I've, I've seen this personally, having been in this field now for um, some 17 years here in the U.S., <clears throat> and that was the point you made with regards to being able to communicate, you know, across, um, you know, the, cross, the various functions of the organization as it relates to, um, obviously, you know, a, a business that uh, is looking to hire a leader into that, uh, that role. Um, I've, I've, you know, 
I think just cyber is a great example of how much more cyber and IT are involved in the cross-functional crisis management team. And this is, again, what we see from, from our perspective and how that role has become you know, really critical um, for that individual to sit on that team um, and obviously be able to communicate in a way that's relevant to the rest of the organization, whereas you know, they're stuck down uh, with the IT and the response from a crisis, uh, from a cyber, and a very IT-centric perspective, and they have to translate that right into the rest of, to the rest of the organization, the cross-functional team, and work with them to make sure that that message um, gets across in, in a way that's not obviously um, very um, you know technical and so um, I think it's a great point so true definitely definitely um, so a question about uh, temporary staff um, you know is this something that employees are doing um, on a you know task basis uh, or a trial period before the f positions are filled you know what, what's going on with uh, temporary staff at the moment you know, I'm so happy you asked that question because a lot of people, it's, it's funny, they, we've been actually working and placing contract, contract hire, temporary fixed term staff since the foundation of BC management, you know, going back, you know, 20 years. So a lot of people aren't even aware that we've been doing this. Um, and we see our clients tapping into kind of short-term, fixed-term contract staff um, for so many reasons, a variety of reasons. Um, we've had many companies where they're anticipating approval of a position, but they need to get the work done now. So they'll bring on someone on a contract basis, hoping that they can flip them to a permanent hire. So we have a lot of those. Um, we have a, a, a lot of project work across the board, anything from just a month, you know, to help with perhaps preparing for an exercise or conducting a tabletop crisis management exercise, all the way to, you know, going through a gap analysis at BIA, you know, streamlining a program internationally, um, doing program maturity assessments. Um, we also have a lot of our um, service providers within the industry. The other consulting companies will tap into us to to um, help broaden their bench. If they have a lot of activity come hit them at one time, they'll tap into our resources to help, um, you know, engage some contract consultants to help deliver on their client engagement. Sure. Um, we've also had even maternity, you know, help to cover maternity leave or short-term disability leave. So it's really all of the above. Mm -hmm. And it's a great way to really think outside the box because um like i mentioned some of these positions are going open longer and longer and it's a great opportunity if if, if someone if a company has a lot to do with their program to to not skip a beat and bring in someone that they could potentially flip to a, a permanent hire perhaps you know test them out as well um, we've had a lot of those where they'll test out before they hire and we really follow the same process um in our contract staffing that we do with the direct hire. We follow the same process in posting the job. Um, the benefit that we have and the value that we bring to our clients is that we designed a system to quickly notify our consultants and our, and our, and our professionals that are looking for full-time permanent um, work. We have a system designed to quickly notify them once a position's posted. They can indicate if they want to be you know, notified on contract jobs, direct hire, the comp range, the discipline expertise, the geography, everything. So we can quickly notify um, individuals that quickly apply to a job. So when we get a contract position, it's usually an immediate need, and we can usually be responsive with um, resumes that we've already qualified and vetted, um, you know, within a day or two. Sure. So it's a very quick turnaround for us, which is helpful for the client, especially if it's a very, you know, immediate need or one of the consulting companies that needs, you know, another consultant um, to help backfill their workload. 
Sure. Yeah. I've, I've, I seem, it seems fairly common. I've, you know, I've heard of, uh, you know, colleagues within the industry, um, you know, go down that path and, and jump from role to role. Um, I think some people just like, you know, just like to do that and get the, you know, you can get some experience that way, but also the, the networking really helps for an individual as well. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, do, so do you provide advice to, so, so let, let's say I, I'm in a, a role that I've been in for, you know, five years. I, I've been only been in the industry for five years, but I'm looking to go to the next level. Maybe there's no opportunities in, in my business or in the organization that I work for, but I want to go to the next level as it relates to, you know, the, the, the business continuity management world, uh, you know, and that could be either a different role, but um, you know, I'm looking to, you know, really, you know, go to the next level in terms of, um, you know, management or leadership, whatever the role position may be. Is that something that you would pro- provide job seekers uh, with advice for? And, and what would that be? Oh, yes, definitely. So um, when someone does come to us and really, you know, wants to get a better understanding of what they need to do to, to make that next step, we take the time to really understand where they are right now with their career, where they want to go, and then getting back to that SWAT, you know, looking at some of the areas or gaps with the skill sets that they currently have and the skill sets they need to take the next step and also the competencies. Like I mentioned some of those soft skills and really kind of honing in and developing those soft skills to be ready for the next step. Um, again, I always tell, you know, professionals I speak to in the industry just to make sure that you're jumping for the right reason and, and really just because sometimes it could be just getting ready for a promotion within your current company or seeking out that additional um, opportunity or responsibility within your current position and really understanding, you know, not only the next role that makes sense, but really identifying if it does make sense to look for a position outside your current organization. Um, The good thing that we have within the business continuity profession today versus what we had, you know, 20 years back is that there was certainly more of a ceiling um, that people would hit very quickly within their career. And now there's a lot more opportunity to expand And if you look at programs, it usually encompasses more than just business continuity. Most programs have a combination of five plus disciplines. When I say five plus disciplines, that's that's encompassing not only business continuity or resiliency or disaster recovery, but also looking at crisis management, looking at risk management, looking at third party risk management, um, cybersecurity, information security, physical security. So someone can really easily look at their career and go, you know what? I really enjoy the cyber piece and I want to develop that more, or mm-hmm. I really enjoy the risk management piece. I want to develop that more. And we see a lot of organizations, especially as you move your career up the ladder. Um, and I tell a lot of people that, so they feel that if they, if they feel they hit that glass ceiling um, and admittedly, there's not as many jobs that are ahead of business continuity because we see a lot of organizations have business continuity, either report into security or risk. So I encourage those individuals, you know what, you're already doing risk, you're already doing business continuity, apply to those jobs that are ahead of risk management or a senior leadership position within risk because inevitably you're still managing business continuity. Right, right. right. Uh, so there's an opportunity there too that many people don't, they, they don't look, they just think they get, they put on their kind of silo, they silo their career. And right now you have a, there's a, so much opportunity to take it in so many different directions. Yeah, I think there is, you know, in some organizations that, you know, maybe the programs are, are not as mature. Um, I think, you know, you can almost, you know, make your make your own path, so to speak. Um, we've seen that. We've seen that happen before. Um, obviously, more advanced programs, a, a little less so. But um, 
uh, that, that's great information. And so as it relates to that, then what, what are you seeing um, in terms of the, the most employment opportunities specifically uh, for those different areas? And I know most of them, like you mentioned, or some of them are combined depending on the business. But, um, you know, are, are you seeing, you know, specific to BC roles, you know, resilience, uh, crisis management, you know, or risk, cyber? Uh, um, you know, is there anything that's kind of, you know, there are more opportunities within one area of those or is it pretty evenly spread out? Great question. Um, you know, it is, it is very, very spread out. Um, I have noticed, I mean, obviously when we are tracking jobs, I'm tracking for the terms business continuity, resiliency, disaster recovery, crisis, risk. Um, so then I get these notifications on a daily basis of all these different jobs. We don't tend to focus too much in cyber um, because I've known, so so we'll take on a cyber job if it combines something with, you know, business continuity or resiliency. So I don't track those jobs as much um, unless it incorporates another discipline. But we have noticed a, a, quite a surge in the last two years for jobs that are more focused in crisis management mm -hmm. and within large organizations, um, not just in the public sector within the government, but looking at the private sector where companies they they have someone in the program or in their company focused in business continuity resiliency, but then they want someone 100% focused in crisis management because you see all of these crises are happening more and more. Active shooters, you have you know cyber events, you have you know all across the board. So a lot of our large clients, um, especially if the program's more mature, they're looking for someone to be designated within their organization to only be focused in crisis management and then working closely with, you know, the business continuity resiliency team. Um, we have also seen a huge surge in the third party risk management, which is great because that's one of the areas that we've identified through our research that companies are, are that's the one area that they can really um, work on in advancing the maturity of their program is encompassing their third party critical suppliers. So, sure. Especially in the banking industry, um, I think it was what is that the, the um, Schedule K is or Schedule J with um, looking at the third party side of um, the business. So there's been a huge surge, especially in financial services, for the third party risk management. That that is is also very closely aligned with the business continuity resiliency team. Yeah, that makes total sense. We see that in the crisis simulation exercises we when we talk about the various stakeholders that uh, need to support your critical critical elements of your business. And, um, you know, we, we, we do see that as a gap with many organizations in terms of understanding uh, how those organizations would perform to support us. So that uh, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, we're seeing more, um, more of that in different um, different. Uh, sectors as well. Obviously, financial services seem to be ahead of the game because they have so many of them and um, and so dispersed. And uh, so that's a, a complex uh, challenge for them. So great information today, uh, Cheyenne. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. And so just as we wrap up here, do you have any final comments uh, for our listeners? And, um, you know, are you out there on social media? How can they get a hold of you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm always on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way to to get a hold of me. So you know, look look me up there. I do try to put a lot of content out on on social media. What I'm seeing in the industry. Um, I'm about to publish something this week about looking back on 2019. So I'll be publishing that out this week as well. Um, but this has been a fun fun journey. Like I said, I've been doing this now for oh gosh over 20 years, and like many other individuals in the profession, I fell into it just like they did, but sure. I, I love it. 
And I think this next year is going to be really a lot of activity, um, a lot of new job opportunities from what we're seeing from our clients and and um, what I'm hearing in the landscape. So just really excited about the new year and not just myself, but my associate Alicia, who's been with me for over 15 years. Um, you know, we're both very happy to help and uh, take any questions from anyone on on the back end as well. Well, that's great, great news. Um, yeah, and I. I, I appreciate, I love what you do, I guess is what they say. And it seems that um, you're still in love with the game. So that's uh, that's good news for everyone that interacts with you. So again, appreciate uh, your time today. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again uh, really soon. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Rob. Yep. Take care. That wraps up episode 65 of our podcast uh, series. Uh, thanks for joining us again. And I encourage you, uh, wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this, whichever outlets you are on, whether it's iTunes or any of the others, um, let us know. Uh, you know provide some feedback, uh, comment, um, or uh, any information uh, with regards to this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. A uh, question, a comment, or share it with your audience. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, thank you. <laughs>